So how, how are you nervous to to do this? No, I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. Because you keep laughing at everything I say. Because it's you. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier when it's Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> you would you rather Johnny do this? <laughs> <laughs> That hesitation, though. It's not that I'd rather Johnny do it. It's that I'm more familiar doing this with Johnny. Mm, sometimes we got to be pushed outside of our comfort, comfort zones. Yeah. Welcome to the MGC podcast, where we go deep into the Christian faith. Now, before you click out of this podcast, you've come to the right place. Today, I am your guest house. Chelsea Portillo. And I'm sitting down with my husband, Alex Portillo. In today's episode, we will be talking about working out our salvation, shining like stars, and ministry that has an eternal and lasting effect. So grab a cozy drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. There is that like aspect of there's this person that kind of like held you up and now that they're gone, you kind of struggle to hold yourself up. And Paul is telling them, this can't be about me because I might die soon. I'm not always going to be here. So you're going to have to make this for yourself. Like even more now that I might not be coming back, you need to keep being obedient to working out your salvation. You need to continue being obedient so that you can uh, live a life that is worthy about Jesus because I'm not always going to be there. What does it mean to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? The definition that I gave working out our salvation with fear and trembling is the humble act of striving to make our lives just as beautiful as the salvation that we have received. Like when Paul began his argument in chapter 1, verse 27, he gives them this command where he tells them to live a life that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus. And then he gives them specific instructions on how to do that. Become selfless, become self-sacrificial, be humble, think of others before you think of yourselves. And then he wraps that up by saying, now continue obeying, like keep doing this. And immediately after he said, after that, he says, keep working out your salvation. So the way that I see what that means is for Paul, working out our salvation means being more like Jesus, taking on those characteristics of being selfless, being self-sacrificial, being humble, thinking of others before thinking about ourselves. We're really trying to make our lives match the beauty of what God has given us by trying to be more like him. I really like that it's been translated to work out because anyone who works out, whether it's you work out a math problem or you work out your muscles, we're not excited all the time to do that. But by doing that, it just prepares us 
for future working out, for exercising whatever that would be, our faith, the things that we struggle with. And so it's not that we're ever going to master it. We're always going to be continually learning and striving to continue working that out. It just kind of works out because in Greek, it doesn't read that way. But the way the English translation just has to be translated, it makes a perfect analogy for working something out like a muscle. Mm -hmm. So it just works out perfectly for us. (laughs) Paul has an interesting parenthetical statement in verse 2. Why is it important for this statement to be there? as Paul is giving this instruction? Well, his parenthetical thought is, you know, continue obeying the same way when I was with you and now more that I'm gone. And the reason he puts that there is because he knows that his future is uncertain. He might come back. He might not come back. But he's pretty sure that he is not coming back and if these people are going to be obedient if they're going to continue to work out their salvation it cannot depend on him it cannot be for paul's sake it has to be for their own we have never met paul so it's kind of hard to read that that verse and then kind of think to ourselves like yeah that's me because we never did any of this because of him But we, maybe not all of us, but at some point in our lives, many people have this experience where there's a leader that they really trust. And then that leader leaves. And then once that leader leaves, it makes it really hard for some people to keep working out their salvation because they always depended on that person so much. I think of some of the youth, like back in Winnipeg, that they depended a lot on me. And now that I'm here, I see that some have, you know, gone astray and others still reach out to me, which I I truly love that they're still reaching out to me. But there is that like aspect of there's this person that kind of like held you up. And now that they're gone, you kind of struggle to hold yourself up. And Paul is telling them, this can't be about me. Because I might die soon. I'm not always going to be here. So you're going to have to make this for yourself. Like even more now that I might not be coming back, you need to keep being obedient to working out your salvation. You need to continue being obedient so that you can uh, live a life that is worthy about Jesus because I'm not always going to be there. I really picture Paul as like this father figure which is ironic because Paul never became a father but like a father to the church Um, and I think of you know when we're kids and our our parents raise us with certain standards and morals and we represent the family and when we're out of the presence of our parents it's like hey remember you represent our family and so there's this burden that you're representing the family but at some point you're going to be representing yourself and your self-worth and have people respect you for you and not necessarily for your family or more so in addition to what you represent as yourself and as your family as an entity. 
Paul talks about the community shining like stars and that this is something he can be proud of. What does he mean by this? And what are some practical things individuals can do so that their communities can shine like stars today? Yeah, what I really love about this verse is how the translations vary. If you have an NIV or a New Living Translation, it will say shine like stars. But if you have a translation like an ESV or King James or New Revised Standard Version, it's going to say shine or brilliance or light, something like that. And the reason for this is because the NIV and the NLT are dynamic translations, which means they're not really concerned with translating the text literally the way the ESV is. It's more concerned of trying to translate the thought because sometimes language doesn't always translate a thought when you jump into a different language. Uh, So for people who are not native Greek speakers, the New Living Translation and the New International Version are going to do a little bit of, you know, more than just translating for you. And in this particular verse, Paul doesn't actually say stars. He says brilliance. He says light. You will shine like lights. Really, what, what is Paul trying to communicate that makes the NLT people and the NIV people put stars there? Well, that's because most scholars agree that in this verse, Paul is making a reference to Daniel chapter 12. And when you read Daniel chapter 12, Daniel has this vision of the end of the world when Michael stands up and then the righteous that are raised. And then those who are righteous, he says, shine like stars. Then the kind of raises the question, well, if Paul is referring to Daniel chapter 12, why doesn't Paul just say stars? And the reason is because the word brilliance, the word that he uses, can include stars, but it could also include moon and sun. So in reality, for Paul, the vision that he has about what the church can be is even greater than Daniel's apocalyptic vision of the church. Daniel has this vision that the church is so righteous that it shines like stars in a dark age. But Paul views this and he's seen Jesus. He knows what it's like to be with Jesus. He knows the power that's in Jesus. And to him, what Daniel has described is not even close to how beautiful it can actually be. For him, if the church is able to live a life that is worthy of the gospel, that they can continually work out their salvation to be more like Jesus, they'll be brighter than stars. They would have the brilliance of stars, moon, and sun, that the righteousness of of, of the church uh, would be like stars and moon in the darkest night. It would be like the sun that casts away shadows at dawn. For Paul, if the church can continually work out their salvation, their beauty and brilliance is much brighter than what Daniel could have ever imagined. To answer that second part, like what can we do? 
to shine like stars? What can we do to be a brilliance? There's a lot that we can do. But I think that to keep it in the book, to keep it within what Paul has just said, he gives us four very easy things. And that's in verse three of chapter two. Be humble, be selfless, be self-sacrificing, and think of others' needs before your own. Four simple things that we can do that can make us more like Jesus. Like Jesus said, you are the light of the world. I think that's Matthew chapter 5, 14. It begins with small things like that. Because if we really think of every, every act that, that we believe is beautiful, it would really fall underneath those four categories where we think of someone else before we think of ourselves, where we sacrifice for the sake of others, where we are humble, where we set aside our pride and where we think of the needs of others before we think of the needs of our own rather than what makes me happy. What can I do? to allow other people to worship together? What can I do so that I'm not a stumbling block for others? So I think those are four things that we can easily start doing. Be self-sacrificial, selfless, be humble, think of others before we think of ourselves. When we read Philippians 2, 17 through 18, It seems that Paul knows that if the Philippian Christians are to shine like stars, it will have bad consequences for him. Verse 17 in the NLT reads, Perhaps my life's blood is to be poured out like an offering on the sacrifice that your faith offers to God. Why is Paul not concerned with self-preservation or finding another way that could both be faithful to Jesus and at the same time preserve his life. Paul has invested his life in the cause of the gospel. And when you carefully read his letters, you find that Paul's earnest hope was not that he would be acquitted of his death sentence. His real hope was that his ministry and his labor would not have been in vain. He wanted his ministry to have an eternal and a lasting effect. Like all of us who desire for our work not to be empty and meaningless, Paul didn't either. The gospel was more important than his life. Jesus was more important than his life. And if him losing his life is what it took for the gospel to prevail, well, to use Paul's words, to live as Christ and and to die is gain. Like Paul understood that if God was not done with him yet, God would not let him go. And this actually reminds me of, of a story, one of my favorite stories of Ellen White, where she was crossing the Atlantic and she got boarded in a room with a bunch of women and all of the women in the room were being very rowdy and they were making fun of her until one night there was a storm and the boat was being tossed left and right and everyone on board was 
sure that they were going to die. And all the women in her room who were teasing her were now on their knees making deals with God, saying, God, if you save us, I will be at church every Sunday. But Ellen White was completely at peace. So when they asked her, they said, hey, Ellen White, why are you so peaceful? We're all about to die. And she says, if God is done with me, then I am fine resting at the bottom of the sea. But if God is not done with me, then there's not an ocean deep enough that can drown me. I believe that is Paul's attitude. He he wants his work to be meaningful. So even if the success of the work means that he loses his life, he is fine with that. Even if the success of the gospel puts him at risk, he's fine if it means that other people will come to Jesus. He's not concerned about himself because if God is done with him, then God is done with him. But if God's not done with him, then there's nothing that can make him go away. And I think that that is why he ends it with an invitation to them uh, where he says, be glad and rejoice with me. Because he's like, whatever happens to me, whether I live or whether I die, glory is going to come to God's name. Whether I live or whether I die, the gospel of Christ will prevail. So even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering for your success, rejoice for me because I will have lived my life for the purpose that God wanted. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the MGC podcast, where we go deep into the Christian faith. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please head on over to iTunes, rate us, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, and tune in next time for another episode.